This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Here on The Exchange, we talk a lot about retention, customer experience, and ways to grow beyond traditional advertising. While we haven't necessarily done it on purpose, the majority of our guests have taken a direct-to-consumer approach. But in the last few weeks, I've had more and more people start to ask about wholesale and retail as a growth strategy. Now, I'm not an expert in either of those areas, but I do have someone here today who has been using wholesale as part of his brand's growth strategy to walk us through what he's up to and answer some of the questions that you, our listeners, have given me. I'm super excited to have Greg Mead, co-founder and CEO of CrossNet, joining us today. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Now, before we get too deep into anything, I follow you on LinkedIn, so I feel like I know a ton about CrossNet just from following along with you guys. But for people who aren't as familiar, you think you could give a quick overview of what CrossNet sells, what you guys are all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, we're a culture of uh, a lot of unique individuals that, you know, came together to make a four-square volleyball net Um, back like four years ago. Our partner, Mike, he reached out to me. He wanted to create something with me. He knew I was in the entrepreneur space. Um, so we, we sat up all, all night and we brainstormed a list of ideas to come up with, you know, a product to make us, you know, rich or cool brand, something like that, just to get going. So we didn't have to work a nine to five and work for someone else. Um, eventually we came up with CrossNet. Uh, we said four square volleyball. The next was history. We, you know, we did some pre-production samples for a year, uh, eventually got the product out and, um, it's crushing now. So that's, that's the background of, uh, of CrossNet. Awesome. Were any of you, any of you like volleyball players before, or was this just kind of an idea that came out of getting together and trying to find something unique to build? Yeah, no, we weren't any, we weren't volleyball players. Um, we grew up playing basketball against each other with each other, soccer, um, tennis, baseball. Mike's really good at baseball. Like we, we did every other sport besides volleyball. <laughs> Um, we wish we played volleyball. We didn't even have an opportunity opportunity to play volleyball in high school. We didn't have the a men's team or anything like that. Just just a ladies team. Um, but yeah, we came together to make an idea. Um, did we know it was gonna be volleyball at that night? No, but I'm happy it fell in the realm of you know the sports category. That's awesome, and it fell into a sport that you guys played them all except for this one. So you got to play all the sports beforehand, and then you got to build a business around the one that you didn't play growing up. Exactly, literally the only one we didn't play. <laughs> One thing that I think in e-com, we tra- we tend to say e-com and say D to C and try to kind of use those synonymously. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is I see a lot of what you're doing, getting into kind of like the wholesale space, using retailers. And I feel like traditionally in e-com, especially on Shopify, it's been a lot of like, in the past, it was like, how do we remove the intermediaries? How do we make sure we can always be going direct to consumer to boost our margins and have kind of like more control over everything. And I know that you have taken a bit of a different approach and maybe a little, like if you can give some background on like how old CrossNet is and when did you decide that wholesale and retail partnerships were going to be a part of that growth strategy for you? Yeah. I mean, CrossNet's four years old. Um, we didn't start selling until three years ago until summer of 2018. We did pretty bad. Uh, summer of 2019, um, we did pretty, pretty good. For us, we were happy. And then 2020 coronavirus spiked us up big time. Um, but mid-2019, um, we got hit up by Shields. We contacted them, actually. Um, but they were receptive. They want us in their big, bo- in, in their big box store. Um, for people that don't know, Shields is in the Midwest. 
they don't have too many locations, but it's similar to like a Dick's Sporting Goods. It's actually bigger um, square footage wise. So really cool stores. Um, we went in there um, just head first. We didn't, we didn't have, look, we said, yeah, let's send it. Let's send it to wholesale, see what happens. Um, we made a good relationship there. Um, we still have a good relationship there. And then we expanded into big boxes and retailers elsewhere. Um, we didn't really have like a set game plan. Like we always wanted to get into our big, into big box stores. Did we rush and go into too many too fast? Possibly. Um, that's a warning for anyone trying to get into big box, but we also have a unique product. It's different. Um, our shelf space in our category is, you know, pretty dry compared to the normal, you know, food, um, you know, mom and dad accessory, something like that. So we have, we have open market compared to a lot of other products. So we went head first in the wholesale and it's great for our branding and what we want to do long-term. Um, we want to make sure people know what crossing is when you walk into the store and how to play it. And you talked a bit there about, did we go into too many at once and a little bit of a warning there? Um, you want to go into a little bit more detail there? Like, did you bite off more than you could chew at the beginning? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, not in the beginning necessarily, but now um, it's, it's not necessarily that we made a mistake. Um, it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, once you get a lot of wholesalers, you deal with a lot of backend operation issues. Like you'll get chargebacks from, from Dick Sporting Goods for not having a label in this correct spot. People don't even think about that stuff. Like I didn't know about this stuff until we got into it. Um, so we've made some some big mistakes when it comes to, to like labeling and properly chargebacks. Um, and then when you have to deal with 5,000 units going to 400 different stores, it gets really messy in the back end. Um, and when you have 15 wholesale, you know, relationships you have to you have to deal with it, it, it can get sloppy. So you have to be careful on the end. For sure. And as you've gone down this wholesale path, was there any you said you kind of just jumped into it. You always knew you wanted to be in some of these retail locations. Was there a specific benefit when you were looking to get into these that you were trying to get out of it? Was it more, was it a distribution thing? Was it to, was it a brand awareness thing? Like what was kind of the driving force of going down this path? To be frank, a paycheck, a big paycheck after, after 90 days, 120 days is very, really nice, you know? Um, but it's definitely a good brand play. Like right now, like we can, we can make more money on our.com if we sell, you know, direct to consumer from our website and Shopify. But longevity of our business and where we want to be um and our other projects future projects whoever whoever whatever know you know whatever comes down the line um we want to have and maintain these relationships with our wholesalers once you have established some of these wholesale partnerships like what do you look at to say like hey this is this is working this strategy is working you guys are in a bunch of different retailers now clearly you are seeing this as a great thing for the business and the brand what do you look at and say like yeah this is going great we're going to continue to invest here yeah, I mean, this is something we're actively trying to test and figure out as well. It's not the easiest. Um, once you have a good relationship with one of the wholesalers, they'll give you better, you know, shelf space. They'll give you opportunity to market in the store. Um, but sometimes you may have to do a discount, and that means product might not be moving as fast as they want. Um, certain regions sell differently. Um, we just throw up billboards in like Utah and stuff, and those are our major selling cities. For whatever reason, I'm not sure why it's Utah, but um, it, it sells better there. Um, and billboards, um, hopefully we'll have a bit more, uh, you know, understanding of our marketing spend out of home in the next few months to really, you know, cor uh, correlate it to the in-store, um, you know, sales. But it, it's super important to build out the relationships, like I've been saying, and, and have opportunities to grow with them. The out of home stuff, the billboards, I want to come back to that a little bit later after we get through some of this wholesale stuff. Cause I think it's super interesting that you guys are going into some of these marketing channels that 
people have been saying like, yo, these are dead. Don't use these like digital's the future. And you guys are getting out of digital advertising and back into some like the more traditional channel. So I do want to come back to that. You hit on this a bit already with some of the pitfalls, some of the packaging things of this, but like for the brands that are listening right now and they're going, Hey, we want to start to go down the wholesale route. Like what would your number one thing to look out for as people start that transition? Number one thing is probably make sure you have enough cushion in your business's bank account to, you know, fund future inventory um, for your dot-com sales, for other wholesalers, to make sure you have money to pay your staff, your employees. Um, there's a lot of things that ha- you, you get a PO order for 5,000 units and you have to ship it to them directly. And then you don't see the money for 120 days. So you're, you have 120 days when you're just out of, you know, half a million dollars and you're like, oh shit, where am I going to get that money to to payroll? Luckily for us, we are really, you know, well-established on dot-com and and have some cushion there, but it's something definitely to be um, wary of, especially if you go in 10 wholesalers at a time, you're going to, you need funding. Yeah. The inventory issues there and the funding side of it, was there ever a point where you get like these orders from these retail partners and you need to send those out and like, you're just not holding enough inventory for that D to C channel. Does that ever happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're getting better at it, but yeah, there, there's been situations. It's like, oh, we only have 5,000, um, H2O units. And it's like, we already have 4,500.com sales and, you know, Dillard's wants a thousand of them. So we're down 500 right there. Um, so situations like that happen all the time. And that's just, you know, it's a good issue because our brand is strong and we, we can make sales. That's really cool. But um, never underestimate your brand. Um, that's something I've been stressing the last like month of our company. We've always like underestimated everything we do. And it's, I don't know why we do that. Brand's the most powerful asset. I feel like that any e-commerce brand has. And what have you done in the past when you get in that situation where the inventory levels are low? Like how do you manage that customer relationship like on the site? Any tips for anyone who runs into that situation? Yeah. I mean, we, here's a situation we ran into 2019. Um, we were crushing it. Um, sorry, 2020, um, and 2019 actually same issue, but on 2020 it was just high level, big, big mess ups. Um, we went from 50 sales a day to, uh, to 500 sales a day. Um, our inventory ran out in a week. Um, we were telling customers, oh, you'll get it on this date between this date and this date. And then we'd switch it every week. Um, but then customers got mad emails came in. Um, I was doing customer service at the time and we didn't have enough inventory coming in. And then our inventory dates would change and it would just be a total nightmare. So that's like, at that point forward, we're like, okay, customers always, always first. Like, let's not just be in here for like, for the money. Like that's crazy. Um, we have to put our brand first. We're going to ruin our brand. Um, that's not, that's how it should be. And that's how it's been ever since. And like now we have great customer service. Um, always, you know, the customer's always right. We make sure we have the specific dates. We're not throwing random shit out at them and like trying to bullshit and fluff. Like it's, it's super important to be straight up with your, your, and honest with your customers. When you say straight up and honest there, you mean like, Hey, this is going to come back in stock and like, don't try to make it what you think they want to hear. Like, Oh, it should be in the next 14 days when you know, like realistically, like it's going to be 30 days plus and, or like, Hey, we're not actually sure we will let you know when this is happening. Like here's something in the meantime and just keeping that communicate, like communication high in the channel open. Exactly. So it's like, if we know it's going to actually come in in 15 days and not seven days, we'll be like, Hey, it's going to come in 15 days. We can send your money back and you can go purchase it at this store in this store or on that website. Um, feel free. Let us know what you want to do. Thanks for supporting us. And here's like a 20% code off for your next order. So customer satisfaction is huge. Yep. Now, I told a couple listeners of the show 
that you were coming on and we were going to be talking about wholesale. So I got some questions directly from some brands that are considering going the wholesale route and they want you to answer these for them. So the first one I got here is how do you ensure that people buying through these retail locations and the people that are buying on your site are getting the same customer experience, that same brand experience when they're buying in the store versus from your site? That's a good question. Or does it even matter? They're not getting the same. It depends. Do you see us online and then go into that store and buy? Or are you going in that store for the first time and just purchasing it randomly because you thought it would be cool? Um, So I think those two aspects are are different, you know, mindsets for the consumer. Um, We're we're currently doing something where when you open the box, it's going to be the same customer satisfaction. We're going to have a nice, when you open the box, a nice pamphlet, QR codes, um, really clean, kind of like you see like those uh, nutrition bars and all that those health products now when you open it and like the influencer girls are posting everywhere. Um, so we're going to try to do that for the CrossNet game itself. Um, so customers do have the same, you know, satisfaction of opening the product. Um, but the customer journey from checking out online or in the store, it's going to be different. Yeah. So it, it it's going to be hard to control everything like pre-purchase, but you can absolutely control and have the same customer experience post-purchase when they actually are holding the physical product, they unbox it, what they see, how you interact with people once they're holding the product can stay the same. Absolutely. A little bit of a pricing question here from someone else. Um, they wanted to know about like MSRP and like, how do you make sure that what you're selling on your site and like what's going in the stores, like they're around the same price. So people don't feel like, Hey, if I buy from you guys on your site, I'm getting this price. And if I go and buy it from Dick's as an example, I'm getting another price. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the easy answer is like, they can't sell under our pricing of what we tell them. So if we give them 150, that's the price they have to sell it. At. And if they want a, a special deal for a week, yeah, we'll make it happen. And sometimes we'll even send an email out saying, hey, Dick's is $20 off this week. Go buy it in stores, stuff like that. Gotcha. And do you ever get into a situation, um, and maybe excuse my ignorance here, like I'm all in on e-com, not on the retail side, which is why why you're here. So do you ever get in a situation where Dick's is running maybe like 50% off like store wide or like, does that ever happen where they haven't necessarily told you that this is happening, but like the store is doing something and therefore CrossNet's kind of caught in it? Nothing of that, you know, nature of that large, like a 50% off sale. Um, we've seen some online retailers, uh, you know, drop the price 10 bucks without telling us um, little things like that. But no, they, they have to tell us beforehand and we have to agree with it. And we obviously know during certain holidays that, okay, we're going to discount it for everyone across the board on these dates. Gotcha. I feel like maybe people are getting a little more scared of that than they need to be once they enter into some of those partnerships. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said, I can't stress enough, like relationships with the, with the partners is like the most important thing. How do you find the right partner? So someone who's looking to, to get into this, like what should they be asking, looking for in the partners they're talking to, to know it's going to be a good one? I mean, there's only one buyer for each section. So you got to make the best impression possible. (laughs) So you can't like search X list and find out which one you want to go with. Like you have to make a relationship. Sometimes they're not the nicest. Um, sometimes they have relationships with other, you know, competition competitors that they're going to favor over you. Um, and that's just, that's just the nature of it. Is there like a, a strategy there with, Hey, we know that none of our competitors are with this partner. Like we're going to go find and build that relationship so that we don't have to deal with that. Or is it more kind of a little bit more natural and not caring about that? No, it's natural. I mean, our, our competitions is amazing. Um, 
we love what they do. They're, they help us grow the sport and vice versa. Hopefully like we get people outdoors active playing with their family and friends. If you play another competitions game, you're, you're going to most likely enjoy CrossNet as well. Gotcha. And last question here from one of our listeners is they said, Hey, I see that CrossNet has, um, the retailers proudly displayed on their site. Greg, are you worried that people are going to see that and you're kind of pushing people to lower margin channels by going into the stores versus buying that on your site? Oh, absolutely. Um, every day, uh, it's something we, we're aware of. Um, but that's just the nature of it. If you want to really grow a brand like longevity, long haul, um, maintain a relationship. So when you drop a product, you, you get a PO for $4 million. Like that's what you need to do. Um, and, in in our business, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a situation that's sticky for sure. Like if we just go.com, sure, we'll, we'll make some good money, but then it leaves the, the pathways open for, you know, competition, knockoffs, um, things, things of that nature. Interesting. So you see, you see the website and like, that's going to be your highest margin channel, but in order to get that distribution and get out there quickly and like avoid people catching up, wholesale ended up being a way to kind of accelerate the growth and ex- accelerate the hold that you have on the market versus like, how do we, it's going to be faster. Maybe if we took the slower route of like, we're going to just solely sell off the site could have had higher margins, but probably wouldn't be in the spot you're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like we have good summers, we have good winters. Um, quarter three is a little slow for us. Quarter one's a little slow. Um, but we'll see big POs during those times with, with wholesalers, um, moving forward now, which is, which is really cool to see. And like you said, getting that big check on like, just one push out the door is nice versus kind of getting it in individual sales on the site. So yeah. And it's, and it's marketing at the end of the day. Um, we're growing our brand in stores that, you know, like if a mom or dad walks into a Dick sporting goods, a Walmart, um, they'll see CrossNet, and maybe they don't have a Facebook, you know, maybe they don't have an Instagram, so they're not going to see it until they go into that store. So it's, it's all brand awareness too. Um, that's the major, major factor of it. And speaking of brand awareness, I, I said, I wanted to come back to this at some point. Um, I've seen what you guys are doing with the billboards, the bus stops, the out of home. Take me through the decision to to get into some of those channels. You talked a bit about like, hey, we don't necessarily know how they're doing yet, but like, what was kind of your thinking being like, we're going to put billboards up? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely up Chris's realm. Um, he, he's our CMO, my brother, partner. Um, he loves taking risk and I love taking risk and we all love taking risk um, and we love to test things. And if we don't test things, we don't know if they work. Um, so we're trying this billboard wave to get people to, you know, purchase in store. And then we're going to see if we see foot traffic increase, well, not necessarily foot traffic, uh, sales increase in these stores with the billboard locations. I'll let you know in 60 days if it works well. If it doesn't, now we know billboards suck and we're not going to go down that route. Was it, did it cost us a bit of money? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, but we, like, I think I was saying earlier, like we're like a, I actually haven't expressed this in this podcast yet but like when you see our game like we're like a ground game marketing game like we can we'll be fine without any internet just our game's a snowball effect you play on the beach you have 20 people taking photos joining in so it's like it's gonna grow regardless and and that's kind of like a guerrilla marketing tactic you know get on the ground kind of marketing i love that too and with games absolutely like you see someone playing this on the beach you see someone playing it in the park like their people are going to use the product in very public areas so as long as you get people playing the game you're going to get that virality of people just like seeing walking over to that person yo what is this yo it's cross it's cross net it's a giant net yeah it's exactly <laughs> last thing i again i i am just way too attentive on linkedin on what you guys are up to but 
we got a televised competition coming up on ESPN, I think, with CrossNet. How do you get that type of coverage? Got any like tips for people trying to get that level of exposure? Be active on your personal social media. I mean, Chris can post anything, get us something. I can post anything now and like get anything. Like it's crazy your, your connections you can make from LinkedIn and in growing a brand. So grow your brand, but don't forget about growing your personal brand. I, I, I've messed up in the past. Like I should have been growing my personal brand for 10 years and I, I haven't done it until like two years ago. So that's major. I think that's my best advice for someone starting you know, show your journey, be honest and let people know what's going on. Uh, and that's what we try to do with CrossNet. And we're just super open um, on LinkedIn and all our platforms and stuff. So um, having having people see that, um, they're probably more receptive to to want to work with us um, and, and seeing, you know, our journey and, and being normal people. <laughs> I love that. And do, like, do you, do you get a lot of people? I've seen both you and your brother go to LinkedIn and just kind of like, Hey, we're, we're thinking about this. Anyone know anyone or like anyone got any tips on this? Like it, I got to think that's super effective, right? Yeah. Chris has gotten like all our wholesale relationships through LinkedIn alone, just sending cold messages saying, yo, you want to work with us? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's cool. Yeah. We, we LinkedIn's powerful. Don't sleep on that at all. Super powerful tool. Now, is there anyone out there that, maybe some brands are looking at what you guys are up to on social. Is there any brands that you look to for inspiration? Maybe not necessarily just on social, but like any brands out there that you think they're doing an amazing job and think people should like, Hey, don't sleep on these brands. They're doing some really cool things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's, it sucks that none of our friends have brands that are sporting goods really. Um, so it's kind of like, you can't just like take what they have and like, you know, engineer, but no, like Trops hot sauce. Those kids are cool. They're doing a great job on social. Um, Hush Blankets kids, they're awesome. They have good products, good quality. Um, and I, I like Lasso Socks. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Partha, owner of Lasso. He's got cool, cool, cool socks. Like I like I always, always roll, roll my ankles playing basketball. I play weekly and I wore these socks. I, I don't roll my ankles anymore. It's crazy. This is not an ad either. <laughs> oh, it's like a basketball specific sock for like extra support? It's for sports. Um, it, it's a sport, like support ankle sock, but it's, it works. It's crazy. <laughs> gotcha. And we'll put, we'll put those uh, brands in the show notes so everyone can take a look. We actually also have a, a podcast episode with the guys from Hush. So I'll put that in the, in the, in the show notes for people to listen to as well. Now, before we let you go anywhere where people can kind of follow along with you, I've already touted your LinkedIn like crazy. Definitely go follow Greg on LinkedIn, anywhere else, Twitter, a blog where people can kind of follow along with what you're up to. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my IG, my handle is uh, Woe is Mead. I've had that since like eighth grade. So it's W O E I S. Then my last name M E A D E. That's where I'm more funny. I'm more funny on those platforms for sure. <laughs> if you want the humor, go to those platforms. If you want the sound business advice, hit Greg up on LinkedIn. I try to bring the humor to LinkedIn too, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a different platform. You got to bring a bit of humor to it though, or else LinkedIn's just going to be so dry for everyone. You can't swear on it though, so I got like. Shadow ban for a little. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Thanks for joining us, teaching everyone a little bit about wholesale. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. That's been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.